Welcome to the Restaurant Rundown, the podcast where we dish on all things restaurants. Whether you're a foodie, a restaurant owner, or just curious about the inner workings of the industry, we've got you covered. With your host, Michael Classen, we will be talking to experts, chefs, and restaurant owners about their experiences in the industry, sharing tips and tricks for success, and exploring the latest trends and innovations. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dig into the delicious world of restaurants with the Restaurant Rundown, from kitchen to boardroom. This next one's going to be a great one. Um, I got, uh, what's your title again? Uh, right now I am a franchise development manager, franchise development manager, Paul Clissold. But what's interesting is Paul actually grew up with, within the joy system, but not from a head office perspective. You were at one point a franchisee, were you not? I was many, many years ago. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I mean, I just want to pick your brain. Because obviously you've, you've kind of seen both sides of the coin. You've seen the Joey's from the franchisee perspective, you know, when you were probably off going rogue and not listening to what the regional managers had to say. I would never do that. And then all of a sudden, you know, 15, 20 years later, you are the regional manager trying to work with individual franchise. So you've seen both sides. So what was it like being a franchisee working with, you know, Joey's franchise group and the franchisor? Um, and then we'll get into the other side of things a bit later. Um, yeah, I started in Vernon in 1995. Oh, you're dating yourself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, uh, my parents and I were customers of that Joey's. My parents owned a business in the same strip mall. And uh, I, I was smarter than the school system, so I had uh, quit going to university <laughs> and was trying to find a business and happened to be driving by one day and saw that it was for sale. Um, we called up head office, talked to Dave, came out, and almost under two months later, we were in that restaurant. Um, so it was it was a very, very steep learning curve for me. The first time I actually saw a restaurant kitchen was the day I took over that restaurant. So were you not brought out for any type of training before that? Normally, yeah, you would be. But what they actually did, because we wanted to get into the restaurant right away, is they sent their director of training to Vernon for a month. He was there open to close every single day with us, working side by side to make sure we knew what we were doing. Oh, that's awesome. So at the end of the month, did you know what the heck you were doing? At the end of the month, I thought I knew 100% (laughs) of what I was doing. But no, it was probably closer to 65 to 75%. And then it's learning and working and always being there. There there was some long weeks. The Vernon. So where was that restaurant, you know, let's just say sales-wise before you took it over? And, you know, once you had taken it over, did you guys see any type of increase? Did you guys drive more sales than the previous franchise owner? And if so, how did you go about it? Yeah, so that location is actually one thing that I like about Joe is he's he's, he's very strict on how things are operated and he had actually taken over that location from the previous franchise partner and then sold it to us so it it didn't have the greatest reputation at the time so it took a lot of work it was constantly focusing on food quality and customer service but then getting out in the community and local store marketing um, visiting businesses (laughs) and not to date myself again but sending out faxes (laughs) every morning Every single morning, uh, I picked five businesses and I faxed them our menu. Really? Without fail. 
Really? Yeah. So you just find their uh, their fax number in the yellow pages or white pages, whatever yep. it was? <laughs> I mean, I'm young and a lot younger than you, but I still do remember the yellow pages, white pages. So that's interesting. So that's another tactic. I mean, obviously, information, business information is a lot more visible these days because all you have to do is Google it, really, and find their Google page. And one thing we try to coach our franchise partners is, yeah, to get in front of these guys, send them an email, tell them about the school programs, tell them about our catering menus and like what we could do for staff lunches. So it's interesting that you were doing that uh, pre-internet. So The internet was around, but come on. Yeah, that old. yeah but the, the computer was still bigger than the store at that point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Um, no, that's cool. So obviously had some success with Vernon. How many years did you op- uh, own that store? Actually only had that one for about two years. Um, we took it, the sales were growing, growing, growing and, uh, sold that one. And then I ended up with one in Calgary on 17th Ave Southwest, just down the street from the OG Joey's and, uh, then, and then off to Penticton. So BC, Alberta, back to BC, why, why all the change? Why did you come to Calgary? And then why did you decide to move back to Penticton? I think I get this from my dad where I just, I see something that looks like a good opportunity and, uh, and I jump at it after doing my due diligence. But at that point I already knew Joey's franchise group and whatnot and what they stood for and that they actually cared whether I succeeded or not, that they wouldn't put me in a position where I wouldn't succeed. I had actually inquired about opening a restaurant in a different city um, when I had the one in Calgary and they said, no, we, we don't think that's in your best interest. You'll struggle to have them that far apart. And they just cared whether I actually made money or not. <laughs> so at that point, you know, in Joey's, obviously the way we do things now is leaning a lot towards uh, multi-unit managers, multi-unit owners, um, but back in the day, obviously, without the internet being as you know accessible as it is today and the systems we have in place, obviously being a multi-unit owner was a little out of the question. Is that kind of what you're getting at? You could be a multi-unit owner, but you generally needed to keep to a very defined geographic area mm-hmm. where now it's, like you said, you can emails back and forth. You can have cameras up where you can look it up on your phone and see what's happening that and the systems that Joey's has created have, have greatly improved since the day. They've, we've really embraced the technology. Nice. So after Penticton, what was, the, what was Paul Clissold's next move? I opened a barbershop uh, called MVP. Um, had one here with my brother in Calgary, and then I was in Kelowna. Uh, and just there was a, actually an article on the, in the Globe and Mail about us. And I snuck in there that we were looking at franchising. So I called up Dave Mossy, who was living in Kelowna. And I said, hey, can we go for a beer and have me pick your brain? And that turned into a partnership where we franchised the company and did that for about eight years before we sold that. Nice. How many stores did you get up to with the MVPs? We got up to six when we sold it. Six stores and made out okay. So why, why, who goes from a restaurant selling fish and chips so then all of a sudden cutting some dude's hair. I don't know how to cut hair. I know. I, I, I know. That's why I'm asking the question. I saw you look at my hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was just. A, plural. A, hair plural, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was just a business idea where previously you had the old school barbershop or a hair salon. And those were your only two options. 
Uh, we took high quality hair cutting people and put TVs and sports stuff and whatnot. Just sort of merged the two and made it a cool place for guys to go to. So you were you were leading you were the leading edge as far as making barbershops cool. And I think I heard a story about you guys trying to get licensed. Is that true? Yeah, we uh, we did have beer in the stores. And we found a technicality in that the liquor board never comes and looks at you because you're not licensed, but you couldn't get a license. <laughs> so, Which is funny because I think they made an argument that you couldn't get a license because you had sharp ailments or objects in, in control of people around, right? So you didn't want people under the influence holding on to sharp scissors. Yeah. Essentially was their argument. But I think it's hilarious that I can then go to a steakhouse and get, you know, have a few, and then hold the sharp ailment myself. At least in the barbershops, it's the the trained professional that's probably not under the influence holding the sharp object, right? Yeah, anyways, no, we we frowned upon staff drinking on shift. Yeah, oh yeah fair enough. <laughs> As with every industry and business, right? So, so after MVP, I mean, this is why you know I wanted to pick your brain a bit. You've obviously seen the uh, multiple franchise systems as far as you know. Obviously, being a franchisee with Joey's, creating your own franchisee with M- M- franchise with MVP, and then where did you go from there? I opened another franchise um, that did window washing, gutter cleaning, pressure washing, and that one was really eye opening because they they're part of a very very large system. So the systems they had, um, the communication, how they did their marketing was all something I had never seen. I hadn't been in a franchise of that size before. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I sold that business, but I learned a lot about how a really good franchisor works and saw the similarities between Joey's and, and that brand. But we're bringing a lot of that into us now too. So what, what would you say were some of the similarities and what are some of the new techniques and, and advancements that Joey's is making to catch up to these big guys? A lot of it is the technology. Um, because they were a large company, they could use Salesforce and had an amazing deal on it um, where that isn't possible for a small small independent operator. And we're now doing that too, where we can help analyze the person's business day by day because our reporting has become so good. Uh-huh. That's awesome. How big was uh, this this window washing <laughs> company? Um, The window washing company, I was franchisee number 21 or 22. Um, I'm not sure where they're at now, probably around 70. But they were part of a junk removal company that did about half a billion dollars a year in revenue. Okay. No, that's interesting. And then obviously circle back, life comes full circle. And now all of a sudden you're back, not with the Joey's, but with Joey's and, and helping out on the corporate side of things and and, you know, you came on as a regional manager and I think have been a huge asset as far as, you know, kind of seeing that different perspective because you were at one point a franchisee. So what are some ways that you as a franchisor, the regional manager, approach the individual franchisee as far as helping them better their business? Yeah, I've seen a lot of regional managers in my days and I never wanted to be the guy who walks in and nitpicks every single little thing. I want to help the franchise partner grow their business. Mm-hmm. Um, streamlining their kitchen, streamlining their front of house, and helping them with marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we're, we're in business to make money. So if I can help somebody make more money, that's what I really want to do. And is that something that you kind of you kind of went back at your time being a franchisee and you're like, I've seen all these regional managers, but this one helped me work on my business, not helped me point things out in my business, right? Is that where you kind of picked that up from? Yeah, exactly. There was one specific one where he was I, when he came in, he flew through the inspection and then we sat down for five hours and talked about how to grow the business. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I found the most value because more sales means <laughs> more money. Um, volume solves a lot of problems in the restaurant industry. That's true. And when you look at, you know, not only just, I wouldn't say problem stores, but stores that are struggling a bit, you know, it's usually always on the sales side of things. They might be doing a lot of things right. They might have a clean lobby and, and putting out a good product. But if sales are struggling, you know, it makes life a little bit harder and it makes the relationship with between the franchisor and the franchisee a little bit harder. So how do you go about navigating, you know, kind of those hostilities between the franchisor and the franchisee? It's about, like you said, if, if their sales aren't great, it's understanding where they're coming from. Uh, I've been there. I, I know what it can be like when sales may not be what you're expecting. Um, so it's helping them see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, but you have to follow these steps to get there. And a lot of it is marketing, being involved in the community. I, I sponsored golf tournaments. I donated to charities. I, I got out and met people and talked to them. Because when people come into a restaurant, they want to bring somebody in and say, hey, I know Mike, the owner. You got to come and meet this guy. Yeah. So being a face, putting a face on your brand, which your brand is ultimately your restaurant. And yeah. I mean, we all love getting to know the owner. Who doesn't? Who yeah. doesn't like knowing the owner of a business? Like, hey, this is my buddy Johnny. He owns this spot, right? And you f- feel more loyalty towards that. And what is loyalty is increase of visits, increased frequency of visits. So. Yeah. Um, which brings me to my next question is just like, in your opinion, what is the most important thing an individual restaurant owner can do to help drive success and ultimately sales? Obviously you have to have your operation running well, good food, good service. But if you don't go out and bring new people in and nobody ever finds out, it doesn't matter. So for me, it's going out and finding the new customers. I, I was never without a free fish and chip card or a free taco card in my pocket. Cause when I met somebody new, I wanted to give them something and encourage them to come in. It's, it's all just, once we get people in our restaurants, they're customers for life. We just need to get them there. And it's the marketing and making yourself available part of it. Yeah. And for the cost of a free taco or the cost of a free two piece, you know, we're talking a couple bucks here, there, right. Yeah. And you know, that goes a long way to securing that 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 customer for life is just like you know even taking care of customers that that are your regulars every once in a while throwing them a free dessert throwing them a free taco or discounting their meal like hey i appreciate your support here you go guess what now they're coming back even twice as often yeah we we know that if you go out and do traditional marketing or digital marketing it can cost upwards of 30 dollars to acquire a new customer versus like you said the cost of a taco is not $30 yeah, and they're probably going to have more than one taco. Yeah. And most of our stores are in, guess what? Retail malls, strip malls along around big box stores. Right. So there's never, there's never 
a lack of people walking around in and around our stores. Sometimes we don't even have to go that far. You know, we have a partner. Um, she goes and puts free taco cards on, on windshield wipers because she's a, in and around a, a home sense in a Marshalls, right? So big box store, lots of turnover, lots of new people, but obviously people that frequent that area every once in a while. So now next time they're shopping at home sense or Marshalls. Now we're top of mind because they got that little, fr- that one little free item that one time, right? And not coincidentally, that's one of our busiest stores <laughs> because she does that stuff. Yeah, exactly. No names, no names, but now we just gave it away. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> so obviously you're, you're kind of transitioning from a regional manager to help out our, um, our team lead doc there on the more of the franchise sales. And I think yeah. your breadth of experience is, is, you know, is greatly not only appreciated, but, you know, needed as far as, you know, you've lived on in all aspects of the franchise world. So what do you think in your experience, what do you bring to the table that helps with these processes and helps, you know, teach these new franchise partners, these new prospects to help them understand our brand and understand the processes of becoming a partner within the Joey's franchise group system? I think one of my advantages is uh, I've seen what it takes to be a successful operator, both in myself and everybody I've worked with. And I've seen operators that have struggled. So as a brand, we're only as strong as our weakest link. So finding the right people to bring into our brand that will help grow it and make it stronger, but also helping people who, I may realize are not going to be strong operators. We're not happy (laughs) and they're not going to be happy doing it if they're not strong. So it's about finding the right fit. I don't want somebody to come into our system and be unhappy. So it's tough saying no to somebody who, who may have the money to do it, but if they're not going to be happy and successful, it's not the right fit for them. Yeah. So essentially like the franchisor has to build this culture around the brand and then how does the franchisee fit in that culture? They are the culture. They're, they're the ones in front of the customer every day. If, if they're not the right fit, then ultimately they're not going to be successful. The franchise, franchisee is the culture of a, of a chain. It's it just how it is because they're the ones putting their face forward. They're the ones putting out the food. They're the ones cleaning at the end of the night. They are what we follow Mm -hmm. because because we're here to help them yeah so ultimately it's just a huge it's a cyclical environment where the franchisor thinks they know what they need to put out there to have success but it's a franchisee that drives it so but ultimately there's got to be some coaching that goes along with that franchisor that that um kind of trickles down onto the franchisee to continue putting out the same message and the same um, great product and all that stuff. So how does a franchisor, how would they go about coaching a franchisee to continue to put out the product that the franchisor has laid out in their head? That's how we want it to be. It's about creating a relationship with the franchise partner. Um, you don't, you don't, it, you don't want it to be adversarial. You need to work together because ultimately their success is my success and my success is their success. So it's sitting down and talking with them and finding their comfort level in doing different things so that we can tailor programs for how they deal with staff, how they deal with customers. 
and how they go and market their business, everybody's different. Um, so it's, it's finding the right way that's going to be the most successful for them. Yeah. And obviously myself, same with yourself, we've all seen it and it doesn't matter how much coaching it seems that it doesn't matter what we do. Sometimes we have franchise partners that unfortunately kind of go rogue or just ultimately think that they, they, they know better, which maybe sometimes they do, but you know, we can look at sales trends for over 66 stores and we can say sometimes that, you know, it is something that they're doing at an individual basis. How do we deal with that? How do you, how would you recommend somebody dealing with a franchise partner that continues to go rogue, goes against the systems and the policies that we've put in place as a franchisor? Yes. I think it would be about finding, finding out why they're doing that. Is there something us as a franchisor is not providing them? Because ultimately we're running a business. I, I say is almost like a puzzle, right? You've got a thousand pieces you need to put together for it to work properly. And they can fit together in any different way. But as a franchisor, we give them what the final result should look like so they can figure out where to put all those pieces because we've done it before. Mm-hmm. We've made the mistakes trying to put two pieces together that don't fit. So it's about helping them understand why we do it and how it's going to help their business and then ultimately increase their success. Yeah. So ultimately the franchisor is just somebody that's always speaking from experience um, and hopes to get a message across to the franchisee as far as, hey, we've tested, we've tried this, we know it doesn't work or we know this works. You know, there's a thousand different ways to put this puzzle together, but this is the only way to put it together with this final result. I really like that analogy. Yeah. And, but also a lot of the time, some of our best ideas come from our franchise partners because they're the ones out in the field trying new stuff. If they find a way that works better or is faster or less expensive without compromising quality, then we'd love to be able to roll that out to everybody because one person figures out something great. If we can take it to everybody, everybody succeeds. I like that. So give me an example of something you've seen in the field that, you know, a franchise partner was doing and you thought maybe it was a good idea or someone else in the office thought it was a great idea. And then we kind of um, implemented it in system wide. Years ago, um, one of the Joey's franchise partners went to head office and said, hey, I want to do a January bounce back coupon. Every customer who comes in in December, I'm giving them an envelope and inside is a discount anywhere between 10% off and 100% off their bill. They bring it in in January, we open it up, and it's a surprise. Um, so the franchisor, Joey's, tried it at another restaurant that year, and it was the best January that that restaurant had ever had. Next year, it rolled out to everybody, and everybody had the best January they ever had. But that came from a franchise partner, not from the marketing department or a regional manager. Was that franchise partner you? No, I would like to take credit <laughs> for that, but it was not me. And the funny thing is, is we still do a version of the January bounce, bounce back to this day. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's lots of things that I've seen in my travels too, whether it's just a cheat sheet that was hanging on um, hanging on one of the cooler, cooler doors um, or the calamari, the way we do our calamari. I think that came from a, a minimum wage employee, right? Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, it's finding these ideas and these little nuances. And sometimes, you know, all those desk jockeys sitting at the corporate head office don't know everything, right? So, no, it's cool. And 
I love how you touched on partnerships. I think it's obviously very important with the, from the very beginning, from awarding the franchise partners, just like, hey, we're, we're getting in the bed with these guys for years, five, ten, sometimes even longer, hopefully longer, right? Yep. Um, so it just, you know, it goes to show, and I'm glad that you came here to talk about your experience from both sides of the coin, being the franchisee and the franchisor and all that fun stuff. Um, so I'm going to leave you with one more question. If you had to market your business, your restaurant business today for free, what would you do for free? Yeah. Um, that would be me because I, I'm, you can say I work for free (laughs) because it's my (laughs) business and hopefully you're not, but it comes down to the franchise partner going out and finding more people. It doesn't cost a lot to buy free taco cards or free fish and chip cards, but going out and visiting those businesses doesn't cost much. Mm-hmm. It's simple. For a, for a 10 cent card, you can get a customer for life. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Paul, um, hope to have you back maybe sometime. I know we're probably, uh, yeah, I don't know. Thank you for coming <laughs> out. <laughs> thank you for joining us on the Restaurant Rundown. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the world of restaurants and gained valuable insights into what it takes to run a successful establishment. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be bringing you even more fascinating interviews, expert tips, and behind-the-scenes looks at the restaurant industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Wishing you all the best in your culinary endeavors. Thank you for joining us on the Restaurant Rundown. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the world of restaurants and gained valuable insights into what it takes to run a successful establishment. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be bringing you even more fascinating interviews, expert tips, and behind-the-scenes looks at the restaurant industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Wishing you all the best in your culinary endeavors.